We're going to start off with that verse that you have on the overhead, which we've heard over this weekend on more than one occasion, but let it be something that is well planted in your heart and in your mind, because this word is a prophetic word of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be born in this little town of Bethlehem. Now, there were two Bethlehems in all of Israel, one in the north of the country and the one in the south of the country, which was just southwest of Jerusalem, and that is known as Bethlehem Ephrathah. And that is a phrase that the Jews would know well, identifying that Bethlehem to be the one that is referred to by the prophet as opposed to the other Bethlehem that's in the northern part of the country. But here in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, Micah tells us this prophetic word, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. A specific prophecy of the coming one, the Messiah, the promised Savior of the world, born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And I want to point out to all of us here this morning that that is a very significant location for more than just the fact that it is the birthplace of our Lord. But the name itself has great significance because the word Bethlehem is a Hebrew of two words, Beth or Beit in Hebrew, which means house, and Lehem, which is bread in the Hebrew language. So it is also known and should be recognized by all of us as the house of bread. Why is that significant? Because all the way through all of the scriptures there is reference to bread. And it's a very, very important idea, concept that we need to take hold of with regard to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we're going to be looking today at both Old Testament and New Testament scriptures. But turn with me to John chapter 6 this morning. And read with me, starting from verse 30 of John chapter 6, the Gospel of John chapter 6, which reads these following words, Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to Him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, do you see the significance of this Bethlehem, house of bread? The child of God was the bread of life, born in the house of bread. And there is mention here of another kind of bread, if you will, the mention by the Jews, who, by the way, had just been fed by Jesus, on an experience that we know as the feeding of the 5,000. 
5,000 men plus women and children had gathered together in the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus took five loaves and two fish and distributed just that small amount to the entire mass of people who were gathered there. He basically gave them bread in more than sufficient quantities by multiplying that small offering that was brought by a young lad. It just happened to be that boy's lunch. And he gave it to the Lord to then bless it and distribute it by his disciples to all the people who were there. An amazing miracle had taken place. And, of course, you know the story. There were 12 baskets full of the fragments left over. This was an entirely unique and miraculous event that took place on that shore of the Sea of Galilee. Well, Jesus had then sent his own disciples by boat away, and he stayed behind to go and pray. The next morning... The people who had gathered there that were fed by Jesus during that wonderful experience on the mountaintop, they were looking for Jesus and didn't find him. But they saw that the boat had been taken, and so they knew that it was the disciples that had gotten into the boat, but Jesus wasn't with them. So they wondered, how did, where did Jesus go? And so finally they determined he must be back in his home territory, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, in the city of Capernaum. So they got in boats and they went to Capernaum, and they did indeed find him there in the synagogue teaching in Capernaum. And that's where this part of the story that we've just read picks up. Those people were wondering, how did you get here? But they also were thinking, he fed us all that great bread and fish, and they're reminded of an experience that the ancient Hebrews had had during their 40 years of wandering in the desert. And they remind Jesus, after Jesus doesn't really answer their question, how did you get here? They reminded Jesus, well, what are the works that you do? After all, Moses fed the people that wonderful bread from heaven. Manna, they called it. You know what the word manna means? It means, what is it? That is the name that the people of God gave to this bread from heaven that they didn't understand how it got there, and they didn't understand how to make use of it, but they realized there it is on the ground. And Moses explained to them, this is from God, the bread that he is going to supply to you every single day for six days out of the week. But on the seventh day, there won't be any provision of that manna. So that on the sixth day, you need to take twice as much of the supply as you did on the other five days of the week so that you can have enough for both the sixth day and the seventh. But God miraculously provided this manna. And they called it bread from heaven. As a matter of fact, if you look at Psalm 78 with me, the psalmist recalls these events and recognizes what that manna really was. That manna was from God. And so it says in Psalm 78, begin with verse 22, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation, yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven, had rained down manna on them to eat, and gave them of the bread of heaven. Take note of that. 
And then he says, in verse 25, men ate angels' food, and he sent them food to the full. They were satisfied. They had everything they needed. That bread was all that they needed to sustain them for 40 years in the wilderness. It's an amazing miracle that God had provided for them every single day, except for the Sabbath day, and that was already taken care of by the dual provision on the day before, so they never went without bread. Of course, he had to bring them water too, so he had Moses strike the rock at one point and then speak to the rock at another occasion, but he always provided their daily needs. That's important. But that was temporal need. That was physical need. And Jesus is here in John's Gospel where we were just reading, making a distinction between that which is physical and that which is spiritual. And so he needs to remind them and us of what it means when he says, I am the bread of life. He sustains. He gives all that we need. Everything that we need. And that's a remarkable statement that Jesus is here making to those Jews who were expecting Jesus to provide for them just like Moses did. Every day will be a day filled to the full with the bread that He provides. They were looking for a king. They were looking for the one who would give them their daily needs. And yes, He did it this one time, but is He able to do it every single day like Moses did? Well, that's where they were in error. Moses didn't give them that bread but it is God who gives them the bread from heaven. Their spiritual needs are to be met, and they weren't quite ready to receive all of what he had to share there. But manna was important. It was a physical provision by the Lord for their daily need. Bread. A lot of people have to eat gluten-free, and that's okay. I'm pretty sure that in glory, we are going to be eating manna. It's part of what is promised in the book of Revelation. And I'm not really sure what it consists of, but I'm pretty sure it's probably gluten-free. So you don't have to worry about it. In fact, it wasn't really bread from their perspective. It tasted kind of like honey and It looked like coriander seeds, very small seeds. So it was unique, but they made it all kinds of things. Moses said you can boil it, you can bake it, you can do all kinds of things with this manna, but they were to gather it again every single morning before the sun came up because the sun would cause the manna to just basically melt away. So he gave them just exactly what they needed. And if they tried to take more than what they needed, it stunk before the end of the day. God was teaching them a lesson. God was saying to them and to all of us, I will provide all of your daily need. Not greed. Need. Not only did he provide manna in heaven, but there was from heaven, but there was another example he gave to the people of Israel with regard to bread. And this provision was revealed to us in Leviticus. And it's found in chapter 24 of Leviticus. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but basically that portion of Scripture refers to a table that was in the holy place, in the tabernacle, in the wilderness. Moses was instructed by God to put certain things within that place called the holy place where only the priests could enter in. 
And in that area was a candlestick, and there was a table of incense, and the third item was a table of showbread. And a table of showbread was there specifically for one purpose. They were to take 12 loaves of bread, unleavened bread, and they were to put those loaves of bread on that table of showbread for the priest, the high priest and his family, and they would be able only once every Sabbath to take that bread and distribute it among themselves, and then the people would have to replace those 12 loaves with a fresh 12 loaves of bread. Every single week, a new batch of bread would be put on that table, and the original batch that was on the table for that one-week period became what the priests themselves would have to consume. And that, again, is a physical provision. God provided for his priesthood. Remember, the Levitical family did not have territory that they would have in Israel. They weren't to have any land of their own. But they were to be priests unto the Lord, and the Lord would provide their every need daily. And so he demonstrated that provision that he promised to the people of God, and especially to this one tribe of the twelve tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levite. Levi, they would be taken care of by God on a daily basis. Thirdly, in the book of Exodus in chapter 12 and other places, we see reference to unleavened bread as a particular feast that they were to observe in Israel. The feast of unleavened bread took place during the week of festivities that began with Passover. And Passover week, which began on a Sabbath day, they were to, or became, I'm sorry, it did not begin on a Sabbath day, but it began on the 15th day of the week of Abib. And whatever day that did fall on, there was to be from that day for seven days a period of celebration, and they were to only eat unleavened bread during that seven day period. Again, God's temporal provision for His people. Physical needs are met. Why unleavened bread? Because it's a type of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us that he is the unleavened bread that was represented by that feast in Israel every single year. Unleavened bread simply implies that the bread was without leaven and a type of, a picture of, us in an unsinful state. Of course, there's none of us who could make that claim. But Jesus was able to. That's why he is known as unleavened bread, because he alone was sinless, without leaven, without blemish, without spot. So these things are pictures of that which was a provision of the Lord for a physical need. And Jesus has now come along and said, Now, Moses didn't give you that bread. It came from God. But more than that, it is essential that you understand that the true bread of life, that those things were pointing to, was right there standing in their midst. And again, he said in verse 35, I am the bread of life. He also said it in other places. I believe in 38, I have come down from heaven. It is he who is being referred to when he mentions this bread of life. 
identifying himself is that provision by God which is not physical but spiritual. And it is so for all of us today. Read on from verse 35, again in chapter 6 of John's Gospel where it says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Then he goes on to say, But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Verse 37 is a remarkable verse. I've got that underlined, circled. I've got that highlighted in my Bible because it's really demonstrating two things, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. They both are in this word, in this particular verse. He said, note that he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. That's sovereignty. Then he says, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. That's free will. They're both there. Complicated, difficult to understand, yeah, but true nonetheless. Moving on, he says in verse 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. That is election. That is a permanent and sufficient statement by the Lord Jesus to imply that He holds you in the palm of His hand and He will never let you go. He says in verse 40, And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus is here saying, I am the bread of life. I have come down from heaven. I am the one who makes sure that you are indeed drawn by the Father, and when you are called by him, then you are able then to receive what he has offered. And having done that, you have eternal life, and there is no question. You have taken advantage of that which God has provided spiritually, the very bread of life. As I think on these things, I'm reminded of another thing that Jesus had said to his disciples. In Matthew's Gospel, it records a request that the disciples made. It's also in Luke's Gospel as well. But in Matthew's Gospel in particular, in chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus is asked by his disciples, teach us to pray. And Jesus tells them, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Have you ever pondered that statement that Jesus is making here to his disciples and to us? He's telling us this is how we should pray. Pray that the Lord God Almighty would give us our daily bread. Have you ever been in a place in your existence, in this age of prosperity, in this territory that we have been so blessed to live in, to have to ask the Lord to give you your daily bread? Most of us don't have to ask. It's there. We have been given. And oftentimes I would come to the Lord with that in mind and say, Lord, 
I'm not asking that you give me my daily bread. I'm thanking you for the fact that you have given me my daily bread. But then I began to realize after reading this passage that we've just looked at, we need to ask exactly as Jesus instructed his disciples to ask. Give us our daily bread. Why? Because it's not physical bread that we're referring to in that prayer. It is spiritual bread. And I suggest to you that every day of our lives, we should be asking God to give us our daily bread. That portion from Him, the bread from heaven, Jesus Christ. Make it so in your life. Make it so that He will pour out His Holy Spirit upon you and in you. And you can trust in His provision when you ask for that which He wants to give. So in this day of celebration of His birth, remember what Jesus came to do. Remember what Jesus promised. Remember what Jesus has provided for us. Daily bread. Consume until you're satiated what He desires to give. Would you pray with me? So Lord, 